Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me through that? Is it coming through? Pretty good? Can you hear it, Wilma? Okay. I did want to let you all know um, that uh, Mary Jane Fisher, who has been with us for, I guess, about a year now, something pretty close to that, um, uh, that's what happens when you don't have everybody in. You need to stay with your family back here. Can you take them to mom, Cuff? Thanks. Mom, I know. Um, Mary Jane's uh, daughter, Debbie, who had had a stroke a pretty significant stroke about six or seven years ago. Um, She passed away this past Tuesday. She'd went into uh, the timbers for about ten days before she passed. And and so please pray for Mary Jane and for Shirley and for their family. There is a viewing um, on Tuesday if anyone would like to come and uh, say say a few words to Shirley or Mary Jane uh, from 9 to 11 at the North Becker Kleesner. Sometimes I get it, sometimes. Um, and then there's a, a private funeral to follow. Um, so please be praying for them. With that, let's join together this morning in worship. I'm going to read to us from Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge, and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tents. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds me fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's stand together and we will sing number 169, Rejoice Ye Pure in Heart. Rejoice ye pure in heart, 
Rejoice, give thanks, and sing your festal banner. Wave on high the cross of Christ your King. Rejoice, 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 give thanks, and sing. With all the angel choirs, with all the saints on earth, pour out the strains of joy and bliss, true rapture, noblest birth. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. Yes, on through life's long path, still chanting as ye go, from youth to age by night and day, in gladness and in woe. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. Still lift your standard high, still march in firm array, as warriors through the darkness toil, till dawns the golden day. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. Praise God who reigns on high, the Lord whom we adore, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, one God forevermore. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. Join me in prayer, if you would, this morning. Father, this morning we are gathered together as your body, as your bride, as the one true church. And Father, we pray that you would be glorified in our midst, that we would do all we can to make sure that your name is lifted high, and that, Father, you would give us great joy in praising your name this morning. We pray, Father, that the delight of being in your family, to be counted as your sons and daughters when we were enemies once before, that you would give us great delight again this morning, that you would renew our joy in your salvation, that we would remember that we once were outside, strangers, without hope, and that you made us alive together with your son, Jesus Christ, and that we are joined together with him in his resurrection and in his joy. We pray, Father, that His name would be on our lips this morning, that the name of Christ would be our banner, that we would lift Him high above, that we would call all men to Him, that this morning our joy would be found in His salvation, that we would know that we are dead to sins because of Him and we are made alive together to righteousness because of Him, that we are united together with Him 
in his death and his resurrection. And Father, that that would be true for us this morning. We thank you, Father, for the work of your Spirit on us and in us and through us. We pray that he would be present, that he would be working in ways unseen, unheard, but powerful and good and right. And that he would lead us into all truth this morning, that we would not stumble and fall on the way, but that light would be shining on the path, and that he would make our footsteps firm in walking in it. We ask, Father, for that help. We know that without him, we would surely stumble, that we would not make it. And so we pray that he would be with us, that he would guide us in our way. We pray for his help to love one another this morning, to cherish one another to exhort and comfort one another, to encourage one another. And Father, that we would do all these things as we see the day approaching when your Son will return. And that is a day we eagerly wait for. We plead that he would come soon. We pray that the gospel would go out with power throughout all the earth and that the kings, kingdoms that you have on this earth uh, would crumble and fall beneath the one great kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. And that all would be made, uh, his enemies all would be made his footstool. We pray that this would be true. We pray that this morning would be a great joining together of those things in worship and in praise. We pray this in the name of your Son, who loves us and saves us. Amen. Let's continue to worship with number 143, This is My Father's World. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ear, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me and trees of skies and seas his hand the wonders wrought this is my father's world the birds their carols raise the morning light the willy white Declare the Maker's praise. This is my Father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass I hear Him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus 
us who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Amen. You may be seated this morning. It was brought to my attention last week that for the last two weeks I've missed a hymn. And so I thought all week how funny it was that during the service last week I said, we have a pretty well-ordered service and we da-da-da-da-da. Turns out, well, this guy is up here and not having a well-ordered service a couple weeks in a row. So (laughs) I will remember this morning just so that Greg doesn't have to say anything to me afterwards. Um. (laughs) <laughs> me neither, Rick. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't notice either. Um, but this morning we do want to confess our sins together. It's uh, responsive prayer this morning, walking through the Beatitudes. Um, and so uh, I will obviously pray the minister's part and you respond with the people's part, if you would. Confess with me. Blessed Jesus... You offered us all your blessings when you announced, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Your law is holy and your benedictions are perfect, but they are too great for us. You alone are blessed. We plead with you to forgive our sins and give us the blessing of your righteousness. Now, if you would confess to God anything He's brought to mind this morning. But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen? Let's sing now.
of the assurance of God in the gospel. Number 319, near the cross. keep me near the cross there a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain in the cross in the soul shall find rest beyond the river near the cross a trembling soul love and mercy found me there the bright and morning star Sheds its beams around me in the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the before me help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river near the cross I'll watch and wait hoping trusting ever till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Amen. We're now going to take some time to pray to God that He would hear us and answer us. So if you'd bow with me, pray 
as God leads you in your heart as well. But pray with me for, for God's people, for us. Father, we are this morning again made aware of our need for you. That we are dependent on you for all things. That without a word from you, nothing good would ever happen to us. And that everything good that has ever happened to us are because you are a good God who gives good gifts and they come down from you, the Father of light. We pray, Father, that that would be uh, a true thing for us as we go this week, that we would know that you are a good Father, that you long to answer our requests, that we come before you on the shoulders of our brother Jesus Christ, who in his might and glory has made a way and a path to you. We pray, Father, that you would make it known to us the power of your might by answering our prayers, by hearing and doing. Thank you, Father, for this great gift to us in the church. We pray, Father, that you would make yourself known here in Jasper by us, that we would not be a light that is hidden in their basket, but you would make your light shine forth with power and that it would be bright in the land. We pray, Father, for many who have not heard the gospel to hear it and to believe and to come and to be saved and to be made into sons and daughters. We pray, Father, that our enemies would come. We pray, Father, those who persecute us would be made our family here. We pray, Father, that you would do impossible things so that no one may say it was us, including ourselves, so that we may not boast, but we will always and forever point to the goodness of your grace and the power of your might to save. We pray, Father, that you would bless, especially this week, that you would hold tightly the family of Mary Jane and Shirley and the loss of Mary Jane's daughter, Debbie, that you would bless them this week, that you would minister to them, that they would hear the good news of the gospel and that they would receive it with joy and happiness and gladness. And that, Father, you would comfort them, that you would, by your Spirit, make known to them that you are with them. We pray, Father, that you would help us in our love for one another. We pray that you would help us as we love those who are sick. We pray especially for Clyde and Louise, who have been unable to attend for several months now uh, because of sickness and illness. We pray especially for Louise, that you would help her um, to get over her many illnesses and um, that she would be... uh, made well enough to come and to bring Clyde. and We pray, Father, also for Becky. We thank you for the wonderful gift of Ruby to their family. Um, we pray especially that you would allow Clyde and Louise to get well enough to go see their great-granddaughter and to comfort them in the, in the grief of Theo. We thank you, Father, for your continued care for us here. We thank you that Rita is here with us this morning. We pray, Father, that you would allow her to come. Regularly again, we pray, Father, that uh, Wilma would also be strengthened to come. And we thank you for your presence here, that you have not left us alone this morning. But you are here by your Spirit, witnessing to the truth. We ask, Father, that you would make us aware of the needs of our community and that we would meet them with diligence and strength. And, Father, we thank you for the work of our presbytery. We pray especially that you'd bless Jason and Chen and the work of the Chinese church in Bloomington. 
as they have made difficult decisions on how their worship ought to be done and have moved out of the main church and into their home. And Father, we pray that you'd bless their fellowship. We thank you for the recent baptism of a man. We pray that he would remain faithful and strong and that he would be a witness to his family of the good news of the gospel. And we pray that your church would grow, whether it is an evangel or outside it, that all over the world the gospel would grow in might and strength and the kingdom of God would go forth with power and victory. We pray that here for Jasper as well. In Christ's good name, amen. We're a little bit out of order, but we will confess our faith this morning too. Just for, I did it just for you, Greg. I forgot on purpose. You noticed that one? Yeah, one of these days, guys, I'll learn how to read. So let's confess our faith this morning. What are the next three questions of the Shorter Catechism? Did our first parents, meaning Adam and Eve, continue in the estate wherein they were created? Being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created. By sinning against God. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. What was the sin whereby our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created? The sin whereby our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created was their eating the forbidden fruit. Amen. Let God bless His Word to us this morning. There's a recording of uh, oh, I've just his mind has slipped me. He's a he's a Scottish pastor, a Reformed guy. Um, and so I listened to the shorter catechism a whole bunch when I was studying for my licensure and ordination exams because you have to know kind of everything in it, um, be ready to rattle off things. And so it was just great because he would be like. Did our first parents continue in this state when they created? I couldn't even understand them, so it made me listen twice as hard. It was great. So I didn't talk in a Scottish brogue this morning, just for you guys. For many reasons, I see. I, I. Um, let's continue to worship God through the giving of His tithes and our offerings. If I could have a couple men come.
Before I go into the sermon this morning, I did want to highlight, we prayed for the Chinese church in Bloomington, but uh, there is an insert uh, from Jason about Roy and his recent baptism there. Um, You should have sympathy and pray much for them. They are in a similar position that we were years ago in that um, there are four members of their church and two children. And so it's very small, which can be, as you know, very discouraging and very difficult. Um, And much of that has happened for two main reasons. One, COVID disrupted a lot of things, including the amount of Chinese in the country. Um, If you don't know that, there was a huge migration out back to China because if they didn't go back, they might not get to go back. And so there was a huge group that left and has never returned back to the States. And now China is very much locked down, so they can't in many ways. And then the second one has to do with the faithfulness and the desire of Jason and Chen to... uh, not uh, falsely attract people. One of the things about any immigrant group is uh, they're fascinated by white American culture. This is not a racist thing, it's just true, and it works opposite. If you're white and you go to another culture, you're fascinated by everything there. You're just what they eat, how they talk, how they dress. And so one of the things about American culture that everybody sort of thinks is that we are church-going people now. Of course, this is largely untrue today, but it still persists. And so when Chinese people and anyone else comes to America and they are invited to a white church, they want to come because it's white. And they want to come because they can practice their English. And so it becomes a very big attractional thing, and the faith that they have is not real. And so Jason and Chen have experienced this for about a decade, working with the Chinese people in Bloomington, And so they made a difficult decision about six or eight months ago that they would no longer be meeting at Trinity Reformed Church in order that the attractional whiteness of the church would not be the reason people are showing up, Um, which is difficult. It's a difficult decision. Um, And so they are meeting in Jason and Chen's home now, uh, which means the invite isn't come be with white people, it's come to church which is a different sort of invitation. Uh, So pray for them, uh, Jason and Chen, and their two children. She's also pregnant with their third. Um, Second thing before we get into the sermon, uh, I ordered in some invitation cards for the church. No, don't feel pressure to take them, but they're just very simple sort of business card things. Say you are invited, church address, the time for the main worship service, and on the back. Some of you won't know what this is, but this is called a QR code. And pretty much anyone my age or younger, we, we don't like to type anymore even. We just like to scan with our phone. And so this is for my generation and under. They can just scan and it'll tell them like what our service is like and that sort of thing. Um, in that vein, there's also, if you don't know, there's tracks and I've put some out at the back next to these. Feel free to take any of these. These have all been labeled by some folks in our Sunday school from several months ago, so they all have our church address and the time of the service. Um, and there are also pens in the back. Now, all this to say, you know, feel free to take any of this to invite people to have a way to talk to someone. Um, those are available for you. 
So I think that's the only two things I was going to talk about. And now let's pray that God would bless the hearing and receiving of his word. We thank you, Father, for your word. We pray that it would go out with power this morning, that we would leave changed people, and that you would bless us in it. In Christ's name, amen. This is from Ephesians, the apostles writing to a group that has been united. And so, Jew and Gentile brought together, enemies have been made family. And so then Paul writes this. For this reason, because of that unity, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This family aspect we've talked about. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school this morning, but we've talked about it many times. Um, just a few weeks ago, I preached a sermon on the fatherhood of God. And if you look, if you have a footnote in verse 15 of chapter 3, where it says family, the footnote will say fatherhood. Because the Greek words are the same word, basically. It's pater is the Greek word for father. Patria is the word for fatherhood or family. Pater, patria. And this is important for what's going on in the, the Ephesian church because there is clearly problems unifying Jew and Gentile. This is why chapter 2 had to be written. Listen, the, the wall of hostility has been torn down. You can't be hostile towards one another. It's gone. Christ demolished it on the cross. You are one now in Christ. And so now Paul ends this section by referring to the Father of all, who is the Father of all fatherhoods, the Father of all families. And this is true in a a huge sense that anyone who's called a father is called a father because God is a father. But it's true in the church sense that we are one family. And we are made one family because of God. And one of the things about that is that we will dwell with God and that He now dwells with us. That we are not um, a family separate from our Father. But we are a family gathered to our Father. This is true for lots of different things. And one of the striking things about what Paul says here is that he says, for this reason, because God has done this impossible thing, uniting enemies, making them a family, I bow my knee. I bow my knee to the Father. Which is a weird response. 
we don't tend to think of fatherhood and bowing together. Uh, we don't tend to think of God the Father and God the one who is to be feared and bowed down to. And yet, in Scripture, those two things often are smushed together, that they are in, intrinsically bound, the, the fatherhood of God and the bowing together of God. I'll give you a few examples. This comes from Psalms, and Psalm chapter 5. Verse 7, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. That's familyhood, right? He gets to go into the house of the Lord. That's fellowship. I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. They're just bound together. Fatherhood, fear, and we... We have a, a big problem with this in our time uh, because we have uh, associated fear with um, evil men and almost exclusively evil men. That our thought of what we are to fear is we fear evil coming against us. Um, in Scripture, though, fear is rarely towards those who are evil and almost exclusively towards those who are godly. Which is a reversal of what we think. In fact, perfect love drives out fear. That to be afraid of the evil people is actually the opposite of what we are commanded to do. But instead we are to fear God. Christ puts it like this, Therefore do not fear those who can kill the body. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That there is a, an intrinsic link in Scripture between fear and fatherhood. And because of our nature, and I don't think it's necessarily just true of our generation, I think this is the reason that we're told over and over, do not fear, fear, do not fear, fear is because we always get it twisted. It's always been a thing. We're always fearing the wrong thing. Um, this is true all the way back. You know, if you think about the sin of Adam and Eve in terms of fear, what was happening? Well, they feared that they wouldn't know everything. They feared that they would be left out. They feared that they wouldn't do this, and so they ate the, the fruit. And instead, they should have feared God who said to them, Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. They should have feared God, who told them, you will die. But they didn't. And again, just a few chapters later, Cain and Abel. Cain does not fear God, and therefore fears this relationship that he sees between Abel and God, and kills his brother. Because he fears being left out, or fears that he will not have fellowship, and so instead of reconciling with the Father, going bowing before the Father, he murders his brother. And all throughout Scripture, the same sorts of things. It is, we fear the wrong person, we bow before the wrong person, and yet this is what we should be driven to, is to fear God, to bow before Him, because He is the Father of all. 
And fear tends to just have this such a such a, a terrible connotation to our ears that um, there has been a a flip in the word that we use for fear in regards to God, and it has been this flip towards reverence. That we can never say we fear God, we always have to say we're reverent towards God. And although that is true, we should revere God. We should think of Him as holy and just and those sorts of things. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In Hebrews... I cannot find it. I don't... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In Hebrews, you're just going to have to take my word for it. It uses both the word reverence and fear in the same verse. Um, That we are to revere God, but we are also to fear God. That they are actually two different concepts about God. That we are to revere God, but we are also to fear God. And the fear of God is not a reverence. I think the most visceral example of this is in Isaiah chapter 6. I remember hearing this as a young man. I was about 12 years old when I first heard this passage preached. My dad and I were in Washington, D.C. together. And it affected us both quite powerfully. This is Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah, I said, Woe is me! For I am lost, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eye has seen the King, the Lord of glory. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me is a curse. It's such a fearful thing to be brought into the presence of God that Isaiah curses himself. Woe is me. And this is a holy man, a prophet of God, one loved by God, used by God to write His Word to His people. That though we tend to think of fear as only belonging to evil men, and though we tend to think of trying to trade out the word fear with reverence, there is a very real sense in which we ought to be people afraid of the mighty God. 
And this is why the gospel is so sweet. This is why the victory that comes in the gospel actually tastes good. This is from Psalm 2. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. That the fear of God does not mean God consumes us. The fear of God drives us to the sun where the refuge is to be had. Now, going back to the book of Ephesians and what's been going on here, you have factions in the church, Jew and Gentile, who have been enemies since birth, for generations, millennia. Thousands of years at odds with one another. Climaxing in the Roman Empire and the destruction of the Jewish faith. And God says to those two, My son, my son. And they start bickering and fighting back and saying, No, 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 not that guy. Not that guy. Not that person. Do you know about them? And God says, fear me. Stop fearing your brother. Fear me. Turn your eyes upward and know that I am the Lord. I am the Father from whom all fatherhood gets its names. And you may not, may not say to me, you ought not to have done this. You ought not to have brought that person here. How will this thing be reconciled? God says, no, 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 no. I am the Father, and they are my Son. You may not say to them they don't belong. He says this to both the Jew and the Gentile. Both to us who are in the church now and to the one outside. He says, if you are my Son, you will be here. And if you are my children, you will make them your brother or your sister. And you have no choice in the matter. I am your Father. You are not. Fear me. You know, one of the things uh, about fatherhood that is difficult for us to figure out is when it is our being petulant and, and uh, moody when we tell our children to do something, which happens as we sin. And when we are being righteous and good, when we say to our children, you may not do that ever again. And here is a thing that you may not do. Sometimes, thankfully, we are right in our discipline of our children. Sometimes we are not. But God is always right when He disciplines us. He is always to be feared rightly. I think one of the reasons we have such a problem with fear is we remember times when our father or our mother instilled fear in us unfairly. Or, more viscerally, more close to the heart, we remember times when we have instilled fear in someone else 
sinfully. And because we have done it, and we have experienced it, we think all, all fear can't be good. And yet there is fear that is very good. Think of what it is for a child to know fear of his parents. I think I may have told this story before. But when we were fostering, we had a, a son, Kagan, who was with us for a couple of years. And early on, several months into when we had him, he was about a year and a half old, a little older than that, I suppose. Closed in on two. We lived on a highway similar to 231. Long driveway. We were out playing in the leaves, having a good time in the yard. And what happens? He takes off, starts running. No big deal, except for where is he running? To the road. Now, we had not had this son for very long, just a few months. And if you don't know, uh, when you foster, you are not allowed to physically use any sort of discipline. Uh, for good reasons, I think. Um, and so, I'd never spanked him at this point. And, uh, and so, my voice changed. Playing and happy, frolicking in the leaves, takes off, and I see what's about to happen, know where I'm at compared to him, I'm not going to catch him. And so what happens? I yell at Kagan. And in a tone that probably terrified him. Hopefully terrified him. And what did he do? He stopped. He feared me enough to know that was not a good sound behind me. This is our Father to us in Hebrews chapter 10. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, so who is he talking to? He's talking to people in the pew, Christians, the church. That's who he's talking to. If you go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will replay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God, at times, and in many ways, says to us in a voice that should cause us to freeze in our steps, stop. You may not do that. And if we are children of His, we will obey in fear. And then this, hopefully, will be the result. Going on in Hebrews. But recall the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, 
sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. What was the better possession? What is the abiding one? It is the household of God. It is God's family. It's the fact that we can call God our Father. That is our abiding treasure. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Why do we have faith? What's the difference between those who shrink back and are destroyed, who profess and then fall away, and those who do not? It's the fear of the Lord in His fatherhood. That we go and we desire to be fathered by God. Even when it terrifies us. Even when we think the consequences will be too dire to bear, right? Remember when you endured with much patience. Remember when you happily endured the plundering of your property. Remember when. Those are impossible things. No one willingly goes, you can have anything you want. I have a treasure in heaven. No problems here. Why do we do that? Because we fear him. We love him, and he is our father, and he has said, do this even if it costs you. And we don't fear the cost, we fear God. What is this all pointing to then? There is a, a bringing in of people to the family of God that is fearful hard. It does not come easily. And if you read the New Testament or if you read the works of Christ or if you read the Old Testament, you will see that never in the history of God's people have there been trialless growths of God's people. If you even go to the book of Acts and you see what's happening in the book of Acts, church in Jerusalem growing by leaps and bounds. And then what happens? Ananias and Sapphira steal from God, lie to the Holy Spirit, and are put to death in a church service by God. Now, do you think the people in the church service thought, nothing to fear here. God, nothing to fear. I wouldn't worry about anything I've done. They literally saw Ananias, Ananias come in and God dropped him dead and they carried his body out and buried him. And a few hours later, his wife came into the same building with the same people and was confronted. She lied and God dropped her in the middle of the church. And it says great fear came upon them. And then just a few verses later, the church grew. 
This is from the book of Hosea, which is an interesting prophetic book. I'm going to read just a few verses. Um, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. We tend to think we know exactly who ought to believe and when they ought to believe. and We tend to think that we know why they didn't believe or why they weren't added to the number of the children of Israel, the children of God. But we have a few things that God has stated for us. One is that His children will be without number. Without number. That is a hard thing to believe. Isn't it? I rarely actually believe it. When we think of what it means for God's children to be without number, we tend to think only of the local place where we're at. And we don't see without number. Even in the whole of Jasper, at all the churches combined, it's not without number. We can count the number of people who believe and are here on a Sunday morning. You could probably count the number of people in Indiana on a Sunday morning. In fact, I know you can because they take surveys all the time to count the number of people in the United States all the time on Sunday mornings. And so it becomes very difficult to actually believe there will be in heaven an uncountable sum of the children of God. Because we tend to fear what we see. We fear what we know to be true. Empty seats, nobody coming. And it causes us to think that the Father is not actually going to fulfill His promises. But our God is a good God. And He does impossible things. And the people who were not His people will become children of the living God. And so one of the ways that this verse, I think, helped the Ephesians and it can help us is that the Ephesians were not very willing to say those people may be children. They wanted to say our people will be children. The folks that we choose will be children. The ones that we desire to be in the kingdom will be children. And if we don't desire them, i.e. if they are a Gentile, They don't belong here. And so what this leads to in the church is a picking and choosing, is a hierarchy of sorts based on any number of factors. And it's different for every person. But church culture at large tends to favor middle class and wealthy people who have their finances together who are not caught up in big, horrible sins. Clean people. Why do we like clean people? Well, it's the same reason we like a clean restaurant. You know, we don't like to have to clean off our own mess. 
We don't like to have to sweep off the seats before we sit down. But God, in His infinite, unbelievable fatherness, does not bring clean people to Himself. He brings dirty people to Himself. Unlovable people to Himself. And so this, I think, should do two things when we bow our knees before the Father, from whom every fatherhood on heaven and earth is named. Is it should make us extraordinarily humble that we do not deserve to be in the house of God. We do not deserve it. We do not merit it. And we do not merit it at the beginning, nor halfway through, nor at the end. The only reason that we have access to the Father resides in Christ, not in ourselves. We tend to think, like the Jews of old, that we are the clean people because we are in. And we now deserve the riches of the Father. So that is not the way the Christian life works. We ought to be bowing before the Father as his children, presently. So we ought to be extraordinarily humble about ourselves, extraordinarily humble about our sins, extraordinarily humble to say we were counted among the transgressors. It should make us freely confess our sins because we know that we are desperately in need of grace. Humility ought to mark the people of God, His family. And we ought to bow in reverence and fear towards Him, who is the Father of all. And the second thing is that it ought to break down the wall of hostility that we have, and we ought to be able to admit that it's there because we're humble, between us and whoever we don't like and think shouldn't be here. We all have them. We all have people we would rather not see on a Sunday morning. Groups of people, individual people, socioeconomic sorts of people. It's humbling to think that God sent His Son to show us this. And that the lowest of the low were His disciples when he was here. Fishermen, and tax collectors, and prostitutes. We tend to think we're like the rich young ruler who has always obeyed and therefore there isn't much left for us to do to enter the kingdom of heaven. So let's be humble before our Father, knowing that we were just like all the rest. An enemy destitute, without God, without hope, without a father, outside the covenant. And that all the rest that are still out there are called not my people. And that God says that there will be an uncountable people who were once called not my people who will be called sons of the living God. We are a family 
by death. And we are a family made alive. And we are a family who ought to bow our knees to the Father. He owes us nothing. The only rights we have are by another. And the moment we begin to think, I should deserve, I, 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 we have lost sight of the whole thing. And I'm going to read just this passage again. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every fatherhood in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Do you see the neediness we still have? Bow your knee, He may grant to you Grant is undeserving. It's, it's not a dispenser. He may grant to you to be strengthened with the power of the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What does it mean to be to know the length and the breadth and depth. It's to know the depth of our sins and how far down we had, God had to go to bring us up to life. The width, how far from the east is from the west that He had to cast our sins so that it would not be held against us. The height, it is Christ who ascended and not us. There are so many things that we put in place of this, but humility before God our Father is prime for God's people. Prime before God's people. That we ought to bow our knees because without doing so, He will not, He will not fill us with this sort of knowledge. He will not grant it to us. He does not give to the proud the gifts that He reserves for the humble. So this is our word this morning. That God in His infinite mercy has counted us as His children and that there are many out there who all of us, for different reasons, perceive as eh, would rather not. Those are the people. Those are the ones. The ones who we look at and go, not them. Those are the ones. Those are the ones. Let's pray this morning, and then we will close with our final hymn. Father, I admit that fear is often a driving force in my life. And it is rarely the correct fear. And so, Father, give us grace. Give me grace to bow before you that we might know that the grace that is ours has absolutely nothing to do with us. And that the grace that keeps us has absolutely nothing to do with us. And the grace that will greet us home has nothing to do with us. Make us humble. Give us hearts that are pure 
steadfast and full of hope and encouragement. Not because we have achieved something, but because you have made impossible people into brothers and sisters. We pray, Father, that you would do the same in our community. That those who are called not my people, the ones that we despise, the ones that we would rather not deal with, would come in droves to hear the gospel. That they would desire to know what the Father has for them. That you would be a father to the fatherless. That you would lift up their drooping hands. Strengthen their weak knees. And that you would do the same for us. That we would know the fear of you. And it would drive us to the cross. And that we'd kiss the Son. And that he would plead on our behalf. So that you are not angry with us. But instead delight in us as your children. We pray that you would help us in this. We pray that this would be true for us. In Christ's good name, amen. Ending with number eight, Come Thou Almighty King. Come Thou Almighty King, Help us thy praise to sing, help us to praise, Father all-glorious, or all-victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. Come thou incarnate word, good on thy mighty sword, our prayer attend. Come and thy people bless, and give thy word success, spirit of holiness on us descend come holy comforter thy sacred witness bear in this glad hour thou whom almighty art now rule in every heart and there from us depart, Spirit of power. To Thee, Great One in Three, eternal praises be, and evermore. Majesty, may we in glory see, and through eternity love and adore. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor in eternal dominion forever. Amen. Go in peace this week.